This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Shachtan, an indo Askeliga. Time in mon iroti yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kieschen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Yatakshe talam griven arkar stan elistu halagus kimen fracht gara klixar dukeshen ekor. Nani vien aun tardarakshen. Schachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Matewa, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Saturday. Delighted to be joined on a Six Nations week after a long time by Luke Fitzgerald, as always. Luke, hello. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Will. How are things? All good? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Looking forward to this weekend. And I'm delighted to be joined also by Rory O'Connor. Rory, how are things? Good, thanks, Will. How's it going? Yeah, good, good. Uh, what's this week been like now covering the Six Nations? Obviously very unusual, everything over Zoom. I'm sure for the players as well, it's a strange environment. Uh, it's not really business as usual, is it? No, it's hard to get a handle on what's going on really because it's so remote from us, you know. I mean, I, I, I'll i be lucky enough to be one of the few people, uh, assuming my accreditation gets approved, which hasn't happened yet, uh, at the stadium on Saturday. So at least I'll be at the game um, and I'll get a sense of things there. But you know, normally you'd be in and around the hotel or the high performance center in Abbottstown and you get a more of a vibe of what's going on. It's very hard to do that down on a Zoom call. Even like Andy Farrell announced his team, it looked like he was in his hotel room um, earlier today <laughs> doing his press conference. Like you could see a lamp and a, and a, and a kettle over his shoulder. So uh, beside the backdrop. So it's just all weird. It's weird for the players. Like, I don't know, uh, Luke, you've been chatting to any of them, but like the, 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 we used to hear about a bubble, you know, Joe Schmidt used to, used to be all this thing about having a, having a bubble around you and not kind of letting the outside world penetrate you. But at the moment, they're actually not allowed to, you know, not allowed to have anyone in the hotel. They're supposed to keep separate. It must be very strange for them as well. So it's good to have it back. It's a very strange time of year to be playing Six Nations rugby. It's kind of weird going into a competition that you parked in February. But uh, I thought the team today is pretty interesting and, and quite exciting to see a new kind of a, a new look to things. It's looks like Andy Farrell's team rather than Joe Schmidt's team for the first time, I think. So... Mm-hmm. I'm sure once the ball gets kicked in on on uh, on Saturday afternoon, you know all that kind of stuff that will go out the window. It's just again rugby again. It's pretty good to have it back. Yeah, and just on, I saw everything being done over Zoom and journalists not being allowed anywhere near the campus. Joe Schmidt's dream, I'm sure. I'm sure he's devastated. He's not <laughs> sitting sit in situ. Uh, but Luke, it's a good point Rory makes there that it, it has the look more of an Andy Farrell team versus when he maybe came in and the Scotland game, his first of the of his tenure. It was very much a, a similar team. 
bar maybe Kaylin Doris and Ronan Keller in the mix. Then you have like you know Hugo Keenan, Will Connors, you have Gibson Park and Ed Byrne on the bench. There's a, a, a different flavour, Jacob Stockdale as a full back or something that's been flagged for a while, but still interesting to see going into this weekend. Yeah, it is. Look, and I would say, you know, if we're being honest about it though, and I, I sorry, I do agree with the point. Uh, and possibly a few kind of people have emerged in the meantime that have certainly earned places and earned earned a go. But look, the Italy match is always one that you'd probably see a few faces who maybe been playing well, haven't got capped, um, are kind of on the cusp. And that's probably what we're seeing a little bit of that as well, Will. So I think we can be conscious of that, even though I'm sure, given that they have a few fixtures in a row there, Andy Farrell will probably want to be picking a team on form and a team that he thinks were our best placed to you know, maybe you know, play well first of all, but get a bit of momentum for the rest of the fixtures, you know, because it was a patchy enough start, I think, to to his uh, Ireland tenure. Yeah, Rodan, I guess as Luke mentioned, maybe a patchy start. The England game was obviously a poor performance. Even the Scotland game didn't really hit the heights. To be fair, I got a bonus point win against Wales, which keeps them very much in championship contention. But I think interestingly enough, and I guess I don't know if they'd say any different. I saw like Gary Ringrose and Jacob Stockdale both talking about how possibly a more expansive game plan or maybe a more of a license to play uh, play things as they see it. Like, you know, we've heard kind of that kind of talk before, so I don't know if, if we, we could expect it, but is there anything along those lines you think we might see over the next two weekends in the Six Nations? Well, you've got to think that, you know, the last window was very much taken on the hop, really, because, you know, they came out of the World Cup, they did a 24-hour camp at Christmas, and then they came in and they, off the back of the European Games, and they had the Six Nations. So, they had three games over a four-week period. And, you know, the Wales game, we probably saw a bit more of their game plan. And then they got hammered in, in Twickenham. I know the score wasn't that heavy, but it was a bad, a bad, bad defeat. So it was a difficult window to try anything. Whereas you, you've got this one where you've got six games in seven weeks. Um, four of them really don't matter. You know, I mean, the next two games are the big ones. I mean, you know, the Nations Cup, they're obviously, they matter because they're Ireland games. But really, this Nations Cup is a make you up Do they matter to, in a sense that it gives them more license to check I players? I think they don't matter in a good way. I think they don't matter in a way yeah. that he he can, you know, I, I think the England game really matters because it's it's England away. So maybe I'm in contradiction myself because yeah, that's more because of the recent relationship with England. Like all games matter, but I think the two that matter in terms of finances are these two games coming up in the next two weeks. Um, and after that, I think you've four games in November where you've got definitely more chance, room to, to expand and improve and, and, and try and show uh, a little bit of, what, of where you're going. But, no, there's definitely a message coming out of there, and I think it was coming out in their Six Nations as well, that, that this is a different setup now, that maybe the pre-planned, prescribed play uh, that was there and was very successful for the large part of Joe Schmidt's time in charge is no longer the way they want to do things, that they want to be more heads up, that they want to be able to play what they see. He didn't name the team until just before training today, which meant none of us could get it in the papers. Um, but that wasn't the primary reason, I don't think. I think the primary reason was basically he doesn't want anyone comfortable in there. That that you were you were going into training this morning and you named the team on the pitch before training, um, worried about your place. That you were able to perform under pressure on selection, you know, on Monday with on Tuesday with selection coming on Wednesday. He's even changed the way the week is done. So, like all this doesn't really matter unless they perform on Saturday. But I thought we saw bits and pieces of what they wanted to do in terms of a bit of an expansive play. Uh, sorry, an expansive way of playing in in February Mar- or in February, but you know it was a very small sample size. This is a proper like he's gone from three games in his first twelve months to six games in seven weeks. Like we're going to know a lot more about what sort of team Andy Farrell wants to put out by the end of this. And I think you know I don't know if we'll see ex- an explosion of kind of attacking wide play on on Saturday, but I do think we're going to get 
a bit more of a of a pattern of what he wants to do. Um, but if they if they keep winning, or sorry, if they keep losing collisions like they did in Twickenham, then it doesn't really matter what way they're going to play because you're going to lose those games. So that's what we're, that's going to be interesting to see because it's got to be on their own terms. They've got to be able to, to earn that kind of right to kind of play their own game. Italy will make it tougher, and we saw what Treviso did to Leinster uh, two weeks ago. You know. Yeah, Luke, is there anything in particular that you would look at over the next couple of weeks and that you want to see that would be like, oh, that's progress or in terms of a style of play or, or, or along those lines? Yeah, I think if I'm looking at them, I'm going to be looking for whether they whether they kind of... Like, I think when Arnold are playing their best patch of rugby under Joe Schmidt, and I think just generally any teams that are playing good rugby at the moment, they're... The expansive to me doesn't necessarily mean going wide. It does mean, however, that you do throw the ball around a little bit. And that could be little tight passes amongst your forwards. It could be little link plays. It could be just a little bit of creativity around there. It could be, you know, being a bit more expansive about the kicking game, whether that's grubbering behind, whether that's chipping, just a few things like that. I mean, it was no surprise to me, really, over the last couple of weeks with how defences have been playing that, say, Finn Russell's chip kick decides... Um, you know, decides that semi-final. Um, you know, I thought, you know, things like that are going to be pretty keen. If you're looking at any of the the Super Rugby stuff, uh, or sorry, Super the uh, Tri Nation stuff, like New Zealand, they, they do try things. They like all the forwards have nice bits of interplay. They play expansive rugby. They don't always go wide, wide, but they certainly, you know, even in the tight exchange, they're brave enough to throw the passes in there. And I think that's what kind of opens teams up. And I just feel like I'm looking for them to be doing that kind of stuff. And and I think that'll allow them, you know, if they're really accurate and really good in there, to really express themselves. And I think that's what we want to see. Because I, if I'm looking at the Irish team, I think, Jesus, like that back line is, I mean, if they get, you know, front football, they'll be a real handful for any back line. And I think um, there's a big onus. On, and it looks like he's picked a, a very, you know, a, a team that can play that expansive rugby. Look at Tyg. Uh, you know, burn in the row as well, alongside James Ryan. Like two of those guys are very mobile, get through a lot of work, can turn ball over, um, have nice handling abilities. Like all those guys, I think uh, the, the, the team he's picked, sorry, will allow them to be to do that. It will allow them to to see guys like Andrew Conway on the front foot to release, uh, you know, Stockdale, Gary Ringrose, these guys, and and that's what I'm really looking for. Will in over the next couple of weeks is to see if they. They, first of all, have the bravery to do that, whether they've had a few new ideas about how they're going to go ahead and get momentum for the team. Um, and, and that, to me, is going to be the, the, the most interesting thing to watch. And um, I hope they have done a bit, because like my cat as well, like he's a really, like he's a, got a great rugby brain. I'd like to see his imprint on it somewhere there in terms of the creativity side of the game. Um, and he's got the tools to do it, in my opinion. Like that, yeah. the Irish team has to have the tools to be that team. And I actually think getting into a real kind of, arm wrestle i'm not really sure that's actually what against the top teams south africa new zealand england france um probably australia now at the moment as well i don't think that arm wrestle rugby really suits this irish team i think they have to be a little bit expansive we don't have huge men like that new zealand team that can bust you through or the south african guys we just don't have that so we have to do the cleverer stuff we have to be brave and be a little bit expansive to, to get the go forward which is the key in the game now yeah, Rodan, I guess people will be looking to Mike Cat for his kind of handprint on it. Has he has he talked to the media yet? Have you guys had a chance to talk to him and get a kind of insight into what he wants to do with this Irish team? Not this week. Uh, he did a few uh, sessions, media sessions in the, the spring. Um, I can't remember anything particularly uh, that, re- that revealed an awful lot about it. I did, do, I did do a big profile of him before he kind of started out and I talked to 
Bob Casey about him and a, and a couple of other people and, and sources his autobiography and, and, and kind of, you know, there is definitely a, he's very highly thought of within the coaching game. And um, I don't think Farrell would have gone and got him in SC. Like Farrell could have got anyone really for that job, but he's gone for someone he knows, but someone he respects. Um, and I think we did see signs of what Ireland wanted to do. It did look a bit more, a bit more heads up in the, in the, the first few games, the small sample size of the games we have, but I think it's going to be a while. But like that Italian team, they, they never closed the deal. But like under Conor O'Shea, they did play some good rugby, and they did like the cause like that game, the last Ireland game against Italy in Rome last year, which feels like a, a lifetime ago. The time Johnny Sexton kicked the bottles, the, the, the like they caused Ireland all sorts of problems that day, and nearly went the length of the field a couple of times with a couple of scores. So like you know that there's decent evidence that he's that he knows you know that he, that he's got a good uh, game plan there that he's trying to unveil but you know it's going to be a while before we see it all come together i think what we need to see in the next couple of weeks is progress God, that Italy game does feel so long ago. Uh, and Rod, just another thing I'd like to get your opinion on, obviously, you know, you tweeted out your piece, your kind of profile piece on Hugo Keenan, which I encourage anyone to read if you're if you're not really uh, that familiar with him because he has a very interesting backstory. But he's someone who, I guess, wasn't really flagged at the start of the year to to, to be in the Ireland reckoning at all. He, he took his chance. He didn't even play that first game against Munster after the restart, but he took his chance really well. Probably one of the few backs against Saracens anyway who really got into the game and, and gave, gave them something to think about. Um, you know what? What do you make of, of his rise and, and the role he might play over the next couple of weeks? Is is he here to stay? Do you think, or is it just maybe as Luke mentioned against Italy? Sometimes players do come in and get a cap. Well, I think the big thing that I would worry, worry about if I was Hugo Keenan this week, and he shouldn't be worried. He's making his first. He's winning his first cap for Ireland, so it's a pretty important week for him. But like they kept James Lowe around, so you got to think that they're keeping James Lowe around for a reason, and they're moving Stockdale to the fullback for a reason. So I think Hugo Keenan has two weeks to keep the jersey. And I think he's good enough to do it. I think he's been excellent. And, I, you know, Luke is the... You're asking a, a slow junior forward here when you put a national <laughs> winger on the line. But, like, don't, I've ask been really slow, don't ask a slow ex-winger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, yeah I, like, but look, he was, um, he's been really good. Like, he's been really, really good. I thought, he was, I thought he was Lynch's best player against Saracens, forward or back. I thought he, his attitude is incredible. You talk to people who know him and they talk about his work ethic. Um, they talk about his hunger. They talk about his, his relentless desire to get better. He's got the sevens experience, which I think, you know, has added to his footwork and his game breaking. He hasn't scored a try for Leinster since since kind of breaking into the team. But he's but he's played. He's been very close a couple of times, and he's played a big role in a lot of scores. I think he's good in the air. I think it's a bit unfortunate that he has that he's not playing fullback because I think he's really good there, and I think he he ticks an awful lot of the boxes when it comes to backfield play and all that sort of stuff that yeah, again Luke would know more about. And um, he's quite late to it. Like he. he um, uh, talking to kind of people who, who knew him in school, he was more into uh, football growing up, and it was only when he kind of Peter Smith got him into the senior cup team in sixth year that he really took rugby hundred percent seriously and, and gave up his, his play with um, Mount Mary and FC or Mount Mary Newts, um, and he's kicked on from there. And I, like he's twenty four, he's the same age as like the kind of that uh, twenty sixteen twenties team has kind of taken over a little bit. He was he was uh, he was on the wing in that team. Stockdale was fullback and. Um, Shane Daly was in the centre with uh, Will Connors was part of that setup as well, as well as the three guys have already established themselves. Um, and I think he's bided his time a bit, but he's really taken an opportunity this 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 uh, since coming out of lockdown, and he just looks really really strong. Yeah, Luke, like what stood out to you about uh, Hugo Keane? Because as as we mentioned, he wasn't really mapped to be in this Ireland squad so quickly. Certainly not starting a, a Six Nations game. I think he's in there on merit at the moment. He's playing very good rugby. I think. Um, 
I think Rhodes is right. I think he was probably Leinster's best player, bar possibly James Ryan, I thought was outstanding, but maybe the line-out, I'm not sure that was all James's fault now, but um, I'm sure they'd probably share the blame in the pack on that one. But I, geez, I thought, look, the two of them, it was a close call between those guys who were the best players in the pitch that day, which I think is pretty esteemed company. So, um, yeah, look, playing great rugby, huge engine on him. That's something that he has to keep bringing. I think that the danger when you step up the levels is that you go into your shell a little bit. You try and be... You try and play the percentages too much, and you do have to find a balance to do that. So, look, I'm 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 happy to see him in there. I think he's got huge potential. I wonder, you know, my only concern, I suppose, is at at this age, is he kind of capped in terms of the potential? You know, when you kind of see a 21, 22 year old, maybe that's a completely silly comment. Um, but I wonder, kind of, has he, you know, how much further can he go at 24? Do you know that kind of way? Or how much, are, how much of the completed article are you already? Whereas when you see a 20, 21 year old like Larmer coming, you're kind of saying, Jesus, like how much? Like the sky's the limit for him, possibly. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm particularly interested to watch that to see if he can get the growth. He might very well get it very quickly because he's more mature. We just don't know. Like that's a, that's a variable that we just don't know. So, I, I think he deserves the shot. I think it'll be tough to keep James Lowe out of the team. Um, but again, Andrew Andrew Conway will have the same will have the same issue there, and so will Stockdale even at fullback because I wouldn't be ruling James Lowe out of fullback either. Um, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a good problem to have for the guys. I feel like it's really nice to, like when Lowe comes in there because I think he has to come in. To my mind, he's probably the only guy who who will definitely play in my mind. Um, it keeps them really on their toes, and I like what Farrell said about you know not picking the team until today. I think it's a brilliant idea. I really like it. Like, look, some people will say you like to, you like to have the team settled, but for the most part, you're swapping in and out. And I think it's, I, I hope he keeps that actually going. I think it'd be a nice changer for this team. I think there's lots of people who've been cruising along in there thinking that they're never going to get dropped. I love it. I think it keeps them all the way, all the way till the Tuesday. They haven't got a clue where they stand, which is which is brilliant. Uh, good idea. And, and and I think he's coming in. I'm hoping he comes into a team with a lot of other younger guys um, that really make a big impact. Like I, I, like Doris and... and um, and Connors at uh, in in the flanks. I mean, they're two very exciting selections. And I kind of brought it up earlier on, but Ty Byrne, I just love that selection. I think it plays to what Ireland's strengths should be um, in that a really open, expansive game. And uh, you know, huge fitness, huge desire, uh, big carrying ability from everyone in the pack for the most part. Um, and I think I'm hoping someone like Keenan gets a chance to show his wares against Italy and and really get a bit of confidence in the shirt because you know. I don't know. Like I, I, I love everything I see about him, and I think if you know the sevens part of it as well. If he can get the tightness of the fifteens game, and get the percentages right to a certain extent, like go express yourself. You're in the team because you've got the engine, because you've got the ability to beat players, because they want you to be touching the ball as much as possible. Um, so I hope he plays with that little bit of freedom. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, it's nice to be talking about options and, and, and fresh faces. And, and Rod on the back row, then obviously, standard eight, Connors at seven, Doris at six with Omani on the bench, no place for Josh van der Fleer. Was that what you were hoping for, what you were expecting? What do you, what do you think of the back row? Yeah, I think I, was, I, I probably would have picked uh, Doris at eight and standard at six, but it's not really a surprise given, you know, standards had a really good uh, couple of games out of lockdown. He's been brilliant on the deck. And Doris is quite, you know, has been quite comfortable at six, and he gives you that line-out option as well. Um, Connors, I, like, I thought he didn't really do that well against Saracens. I thought, like, he did his job, but like, I think he needs to do more than just just be a tackle machine. But you know, it depends on the balance that you've got there. Um, like, he marked Bunapola out of it, but I think they needed a bit more out of him. Like, 
you know, I thought Josh van der Fleer is possibly a little bit hard, hard done by there. Um, at the same time, I really hope Dan Levy comes back and gets back to his best because I think he completes that back row. I mean, if you put that back row out against anyone, if you've got Levy in there at his best, um, you know, but it's been so long since we've seen him. I suppose we can't keep harking back to him. So it's an interesting balance. It's not, it, it's, it's a good looking back row. I, I like a, is that they all do different things very, very well. And maybe when you've got the ball carrying and, and work ethic of Stander and, and the kind of all-round game of Doris, then you can have Connors there just relentlessly tackling. I think it's probably too early for Jack Conan. Like, I, I really like Jack Conan. I, you know, I, I like having him in the team. But I think, you know, he's been a bit... He's done quite well, but he's been a bit patchy for Leinster at times. There's been a couple of mistakes and stuff thrown in. So I think it's going to take him a little while to get back into this team, especially with Stander's playing as well as he does. So... Um, it's slightly like I think Luke's right I don't think they can take teams on in arm wrestles with that pack I think if you pick Byrne and, and, and Ryan you don't have that kind of massive enforcer style second row so they've got to adapt their game to that and I think sometimes we've been guilty of picking different players but playing the same game plan um, over the last 18 months and I think that's one big thing that they, they need to do is kind of adapt to the fact that Ty Byrne's there and he's a post and he's a ball carrier and he's, he's a ball player um, sometimes I think you pick Ty Byrne and you ask him to be Devin Toner and like that, you know, he's never going to be able to do that. So they've got to be smart that way. And it sounds like they are. He's talked about being adaptive. He's talked about being aggressive. Um, Andy Farrell, and I think he wants his players to play their own game rather than try and just be constrained by a system all the time. Yeah, look, that's an interesting point Rod makes about picking and changing in players and maybe just making them fit a system rather than allowing them to showcase their best players, Tyburn, the example he used there, but you know, maybe applicable to a couple of other guys. What do you what do you think of that point? Yeah, like I think so it's probably because I mean Josh like Josh would have controlled things fairly tight, you know, and he would have for a long time like I think he I think for a very long time he was the best coach in the world. Like from I'm saying nearly over a four or five year period, I really believe that he was a step above everyone else. And that was the plan and that works for Ireland. Like Ireland do everyone needs to be like he had a plan. If you stuck to the plan, you knew there was a really good chance. And sorry, and you delivered on it. It was a really good chance you were going to win the game or be very close against any team on their day because you were so organized and cohesive. But like, I don't think, I think Joe can do, you can only do that for so long as well. And, you know, I don't think everyone can do what Joe can do. Like, I think he's an outstanding individual. I think Andy has to do his own thing. And I would say that, you know, always a good start for a team is figuring out what you have. And, and I'm sorry, to a certain extent, Joe did tailor the plan to what he had. But I think that's probably evolved a little bit. And, and particularly like when you look at Ireland's best team, which is Leinster, they play quite an unstructured game. They play to their strengths. They don't worry so much about the other team and what the other team's going to do or nullifying them. They try to impose themselves upon them. And they have picked the best players every week, no matter who you are. Everyone's, everyone's spot is up for grabs. And I think, um, you know, he, he might be leaning on a bit of that uh, would be my view. And I think that's probably sensible. And you've got to think that he would have a very good relationship with Stuart Lancaster. Um, and I'm sure he's leaning on him for ideas as well as Mike Cat and his own coaching staff. So I would say there might be a little bit of that there. And I'd say he's thinking to himself, well, like, you know, Ty Byrne, like, he's getting out of the matches like every second match or every third match he plays. Like, he's doing something right. Let's let's find something for him. Like, you know what I mean? We if, if we if, if we it's pretty bad indictment for for a team. You know, we've only got four teams playing all like all the time. Four Irish teams playing that one of the guys who is the outstanding individual and one of those top performing teams. We can't fit him in a system like that's that's not right, you know. Um, mm. And and I'm sure there's a bit of give and take for the for the team and the player in that. But I feel like someone like Ty, like from a turnover perspective, like someone like him could be like he could he could be the key to releasing that backline. I've been talking about it. One or two of those turnovers out of nowhere, 
um, you know, a big run, a big break, something like that. So I think, yeah, I, I like it. And I think maybe that is what it is. He's saying to himself, well, OK, we, if we're going to be a bit looser in the plan, well, let's find let's get our best players in there. And like, you know, that's that's probably the way he might be thinking. Possibly. Don't well, know. That, but. Yeah. Well, that brings me on to the, the, the next point I wanted to raise. And it's something that Rory, I know you wrote about earlier in the week and you had a robust social media exchange with some rugby fans about uh, Simon Zebo, his form, his display for racing. And you're talking about fitting players in the systems or maybe not playing to their strengths. He's someone who, who's been playing really well at the moment. You know, you obviously still think he should be involved. It's something that isn't going to be happening in the short term, but it's something you felt strongly about over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I just think the Irish team should be the best Irish players playing playing for Ireland. Like, you know, if if I understand that the Irish view have a business model, and and part of the business model is a fear that that if they start picking guys from overseas, there'll be some sort of a flight of the Earls, and they'll all head off to France for the riches. But I think. I think we need to have a bit more confidence in our own systems and structures. Like, I mean, I think the best Leinster players still want to play for Leinster until they're kind of, maybe when they're 29, 30 and they want to make a, bit, a few bob, that's time that they want to head off. But like, that, when the pipeline is there, then that's fine. Maybe it would have a bigger impact at Munster and Ulster and Connacht if their best players headed off. I, I do accept that. But I think that RSV were pretty competitive players at the top end anyway. I mean, they're not going to match what Simon Zebo was offered by Racing 92, and that's kind of fair enough. But I do think that they've maybe underestimated the value of Simon Zebo in that conversation. And I think if they'd made more of an effort, I know he wanted to go to Paris, and he said that since, but I think if they made more of an effort and showed him a bit of love, then he they might have been able to turn his head. Maybe not. But at the moment, you have a situation where Rob Carney, who basically owned the jersey for a decade, is gone. Jordan Armour is injured and didn't play that well in the position. has been kind of shifted out of the position for by Leinster anyway the last couple of weeks. But, you know, he's had a couple of real struggles there at the moment and he's only 21-22. Stockdale is getting the go, but, like, I'm not convinced Stockdale's a fullback. I think I'm excited to see. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do there. But, you know, he's had a couple of wobbly moments recently as well. You've basically got no one owning that jersey. And you've got a guy who's able, like, he's the third highest try scorer in European rugby history. Who scored just scored two two tries in the final? Who does all the backfield stuff that you need, but also gives you X factor and plays a playmaker. I mean, he ticks an awful lot of boxes, and he's Irish. And for for the self-imposed rule that we we we're basically hamstringing the Irish team because we won't pick this guy. I I think he's good enough to break that self-imposed rule. I'm not entirely sure the self-imposed rule is a good idea. Anyway, um, I would have him in the team. Uh, I would certainly have him around the squad. I think having his character around the squad would be good for the players as well because I think he, he brings something different as well. Um, I just think they should pick him. I I don't think any, uh, the, anyone in the RFU agrees with me. I don't think any Farrell's going to do it. And maybe it's a moot point at this point of the test week. But I think he's the best fullback in our, you know, Irish fullback around at the moment. So, you know, he should be picked for, to play for Ireland. I think it couldn't be a better time to talk about it, Rhodes. I completely agree with you. I just think like Rob Carney's autobiography's out, so he's finished up. Uh, you know, he's just had a brilliant final, like in the, the pinnacle of European rugby. He, he played superbly well. Um, and we've got a guy in maybe who's maybe a little bit untried, untrusted maybe there at the moment, has, has, has to build up the reputation again, who's struggled a little bit for form in the last while. Um, I think it's a perfect time to have the conversation. I really do. And I think it's... it's if you've done it for Johnny, I... That breaks the rule. The, like, so the rule is, the you know, it's there until it doesn't work for you. That's what that says. Yeah, so Luke, do you, how many players do you think would, like, you know, how many do you think you would take it up if, if it was there to them? Would you, would, do you think, as Rich said, would there be a, fl- a flight of five, six, seven frontline internationals going abroad? I don't think so, actually. 
No, I don't. I really don't. I don't think there's any clubs that play. Like, I think if Saracens called you at the top, you might say, geez, like, that'd be a great place to go and learn. I'd be, I'd be playing with the best of the best. I would, my game would come on. Um, but I don't see anyone else who offers, like, what the Irish teams offer. And I think, like, Exeter have a great environment. They seem to look after the players well. Um, but to my mind, I don't think they manage the players that, like, you know, it'd be tougher playing in the Premiership. Um I don't think you'd be that much better. Like I'm not even sure. I'm not sure they'd have beaten Leinster this year, for example. But I think um, but it's more of an if any team came with a huge amount of cash rather than the environment. The but. point is they wouldn't pay, and I feel like lots of people probably underestimate. You know, you possibly get an extra year or two at the end of your career playing over over here because they look after you so well. So there's a bit of that going on as well. You might actually end up making up the pay differential there. That's a big if, but. Um, yeah, look, it's a, it's a hard one. Like, I completely get why they built the model, but when they broke it for Johnny, to my mind, that <laughs> that isn't the model. Then it's 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 not a rule. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I guess like from from the perspective of keeping players here, like a lot of provincial rugby fans don't see a whole lot of the star players as is. So if you're talking the situation today, if the rule wasn't no longer in place and Ronan O'Gara and La Rochelle wanted to bring over Connor Murray, CJ Stanner, Peter Manny, whoever. You know, that would very really weaken the brand of Munster. I could see why that would be something they would want to avoid, Rory. Yeah, well, I mean, Munster are able to afford Rory Snyman and, and Damien Dialende. So, like, we're not talking about paupers here. You know, like, uh, they, they are, there are there is competitive wages in Irish rugby. I mean, it's not at the top end of France. Like, Rossi 92 can basically outbid you for anyone. But I think when you're talking about premiership, when you're talking about, like, you know, I think that the, the loyalty factor, the fact that it's your own place... Most players, if there's a if there's a, a minimal amount in the difference, will will opt to stay at home at least until they've tried to achieve all they can at home. And then when they get to twenty nine thirty, I think it's it. I don't think the RFU should be standing in the way of guys who want to go and live abroad and experience something different. And maybe going abroad and experiencing something different will add to the mix them when they come into Ireland camp. So if you're in the extra squad and you're coming to the Ireland camp, and you say, "Well, hang on, lads, we do this this way over here." Like, why don't we try this? Like, like, what's wrong with that? Because otherwise you become really narrow focused. You've only got four teams plus Ireland. So you're, you're also denying the insights that Simon Zebo will be able to bring about France next week, for example. Or, you know, you know, say Ian Witten for, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling for Ian Witten to be called into the Ireland squad at this stage of his career. But, you know, he's been an extra for a decade. Why not bring him on tour for, for a summer and pick his brain? You know, you have, these are, these are players who, who have chosen, like Zebo obviously was offered a deal by Munster and chose not to go. Like Witten and and um, Steenson went to Exeter for opportunity. Like those guys should never be punished for for wanting to do that because like they were surplus to requirements at their home province pretty much. So I think it's pretty harsh. It's a pretty harsh way to treat Irish Irish players in in, in a lot of ways. Um, and I think COVID, like you know, it's the elephant in the room about all, all the stuff we're talking about. Like you know, even the Six Nations and whether everything goes ahead. But like COVID is going to affect the business model everywhere anyway. So it might suit the RFU to get a big a couple of big earners off their books, and they may have to look at that model in the next couple of years anyway. Yeah, interesting. And just to move on, maybe to finish up with the Champions Cup final, Simon Zeba obviously played so well in. Probably, I think, the best Champions Cup final ever, I would say. Leinster Northampton was good, but I think in terms of the, the contest... <laughs> no way was it better than Northampton. You're mad. But that was just... That was finished after an hour, like. You know, Leinster were winning by 10 points for an hour with 20 minutes left, whereas this was right in the melting pot, like, the whole game. It was going back and forth. Leinster Northampton was, like, a great... You know, twenty minutes comeback, but then like, yeah, of, fair, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I suppose like I did lose wasps. The the Potchino that was a great one. The, the Howley one was good too. Yeah, the, the, they're probably the top three to be fair. But uh, yeah, 
Yeah, but there was no real, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right, yeah, I don't know, I, I felt like it was, the quality was pretty poor at the start, like, I thought you, that scrum half, how he wasn't dragged off the pitch for the wrestling scrum half. Gary like, Brand. Yeah. It was unbelievable, like, I thought, I thought Nigel Owens was poor, um, God, like, how, how he didn't give a yellow card to Slade for that tackle, like, I just thought he was making it up as he went along, I thought the kick at the end, like, what was going on at the time, like, did anyone, I was looking at it going, that, that ball crossed the posts at uh, 57. It's some mess up. Like, I, I think he was, was right that not crazy? Sorry, was I absolutely... No, was, no, I think he was right. He did say, can you start the clock now? And it didn't go back. No, he said back. to give it five seconds. In five seconds. Like, but they, like you, you can't do that. Like, it's either, it's, it's stop the clock or not. No? Like, or else bring it back. So basically, the producer in, the BT producer basically decided that there was, he was deciding what the time was. Yeah. Because he couldn't yeah. move it back in the clock. So basically, like it was to my mind, it was the game wasn't actually over by by the calculation. Because if you look at it, when he starts his run up for his kick, he starts the clock again. Whereas he was, when Nigel's instructions were to hold for five seconds before starting it again, because the producer couldn't move the clock back, it was absolutely it was a bizarre it was a bizarre finish to the game. I thought, and then I thought like some of the so how when they made the breakthrough, Vakatao made the breakthrough was pulled down five meters out from the line. How that wasn't a yellow card as well, like straight away as yeah when they went like he was like oh he couldn't get his foot out of the way I was like what what are we what like what's going on here I thought it was a robbery to be honest with you mm. um, and then even the the game management at the end not taking the three points I know Ron Nogara tweeted like in finals he always take the points and then not even getting into the pocket to to drop a goal I probably not for oh. Russell's speciality but. But you know, even even for the even when Klein got the the did you hear the if you listen back to the audio when Klein got the uh, the penalty over the line at the end, Nigel asks him to release the ball. He says releases. He says he says release, and then he goes and then he changes his mind and said, "Oh, it's actually a penalty." Like it, honestly, oh, bizarre. Like I, I thought it was weird. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm having a bit of a rant here. I was watching it and I was rewinding all this stuff, going. What, why are we not talking about this? Everyone just moved on to Exeter winning. I was like, was this not the most controversial end to a game? Well, that's because Every- it, it was on BT Sport and they were just absolutely loving it. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't. I was looking at it going, <laughs> like, the bizarre. Fact, the fact Slade scored a try as well, oh. when he should have been in the sim bin, like, that, was, was, that was a remarkable decision. He hit him on the yeah. shoulder like, first and slid up on the head. It's it not just, really that surprising. I know, I know because of an English-French final, it had to be a, a Celtic official, basically, and he is the, the the highest profile, certainly. Um, Andrew Brace got the, the the other final, but like I mean, he's doing this a long time. I would argue that he's been in decline for for a good while as well. Um, yeah, well, I know, didn't think it was very good performance. He's gone on Wales online and done like answered every like apparently done like a two thousand word article with Wales online about every decision in the final. Which when you're explaining, you're losing. <laughs> when you're, yeah, yeah, Jesus! I, I thought it was really. I'm surprised weird. he hasn't got on to you yet, Luke. You know, because I know he, 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 you know, he doesn't really like criticism. Uh, there's a bit, he has loads of followers, and he literally just he links them in for support whenever <laughs> whenever it gets really bad. Like whenever whenever you, you give him any kind of stick, he just links them in, and you've all these crazy Welsh lads going. Met. I was like, I'm not dealing with that for a few days again. Um, <laughs> so I didn't tag him in anything, but like, gee, I thought it was weird. It was it was like it was a real. It ended up being about him in the end. I was like. This is anyway. Look, I will say one thing, and to return to the rugby, which is the most important part about the whole thing, which is what the whole thing is about. Like it, it was, it was a really tense game. I kind of, I know it was one. I think there was the quality maybe at certain points was maybe lacking a little bit. Like it was kind of intercepts and and Mm. mistakes that cost and and kind of really decided the game. To be honest with you, which is probably why I'm saying, oh, maybe I don't think it was. 
it, this quality was the same, but certainly as a spectacle, like it was, geez, it was edgier seat stuff. It was brilliant. Yeah, and I think when, when like you compare to some of the arm wrestles right of the last few years, like, like extra have done it the right way, Will. Like yeah. they have, it's such a great club and like so many good characters there. Even the people that they bring in, like Stuart Hogg is like, he's a really nice guy, fit the system perfectly. Like they, they just seem to do it the right way to my mind. And I just love what, I love watching them play as well. Like they're a quality outfit. So, um, I was delighted for them to, to get it. Disappointed for Racing because this huge amount of investment gone into the club and they really want this bad. They've been there a couple of times now and been kind of, uh, you know, they've, they've a few like they, they had a few crazy moments at the start of the game that's really cost them, you know. Uh, and actually, actually at the crucial part as well, I felt bad for Finn Russell because he was the hero in the semi and the crossfield kick was actually on. Um, but he just obviously, bad decision with the pass and can't do that against a good team, you know. So... Unfortunate yeah. for them. They'll be back though. Yeah, Rory. Like Finn Russell's performance, obviously, was 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 an interesting one. He had the, the fumble over the line, the interceptors Luke mentioned. But then, as in the semi final, there were some moments of magic that uh, that got them back into the game. That got them, you know, close to winning that game. And there's always a debate, like if, if he was a little less risky, would he be only half the player he was versus just cutting out a couple of mistakes here and there? He could be one of the best tens in the world. Yeah, it's kind of what that's what they signed, though, isn't it? I mean. Mm. He has that in him, and he has both both in him, and it, it makes him one of the most compelling players around. And and he, you know he's he's box office. Um, I'm not sure he's going to guide you to a I think a Champions Cup. He might get he'll get you to the final. You know, like he's not the man to kind of he's not that clutch player in the kind of Ron McGarrah mold. But he doesn't seem to want to be. He quite I think he quite likes his reputation as being the kind of a bit of a maverick. And um, yeah, I think like. I quite like the fact that he's got his own identity and his story is pretty compelling. But yeah, I mean, I. I can see why Scotland aren't picking them this weekend. I can I can see why when you're trying to be pragmatic about things and win rugby games and your coach and your neck is online. Like Racing almost embraced that with their culture and the, the bow ties and all that sort of stuff. And there's a bit more of a kind of, they want to win it their way. Whereas I think when you come down to say the nitty gritty of test match rugby and, and the pragmatism that's needed, he probably falls a little bit short. But Jesus, he's great to watch. Yeah, well, he definitely should be in the team ahead of Adam Hastings, I would have thought. Uh, but anyway, Luke, just and it's an interesting one, Finn Russell, especially looking ahead to if it goes ahead, the Lions tour next year, if he, if he might go on the tour, because I've especially in some English you know, publications, they're kind of pushing his candidacy hard as someone who could actually feature in a test match. But I don't know, with moments like that, would you, would you trust him in a Lions game against South Africa? I think he's probably not suited particularly to South Africa of all three of them of those nations. Um, you know, just the size. He's like he's not a big guy, um, brave enough guy, but he's not a big fella. Um, you probably need the pragmatism. Like I think Owen Farrell is is probably the the standout guy, obviously at the moment. But I think Johnny Sexton will definitely be the number. He, he'll be vying with with um, with Farrell at that point. There's no doubt about it. It'll just depend where his body gets him there. Uh, I think it will. I think uh, Johnny will definitely be there because he's a leader amongst that group as well. And he's still, I think, I, st- I still think he's the best passer of all three. His passing game is still outstanding. Like Johnny can pick a lock, um, like no one, no one I've seen. And his just awareness when he's on form is, is outstanding. And I think he's got a. He's probably got the his kicking game. The loose is probably only second to um, to Farrell. I know. Uh, uh, I know Russell has had a few nice chips in that, but like with Sexton on his game going forward, he's br- he's brilliant at that too. So uh, to my mind, it's still those two head and shoulders above the rest, to be honest with you. Uh, I know we're leaving out the Welshies there, but I think Finn Russell is slightly ahead of those guys at the moment, to be honest. I think Callum Sheedy, if he if he gets a run for Wales in the next couple of months... You like him, do you? Yeah, I haven't seen enough from Rudds to really... yeah. 
I, I, I like what I've seen. And I have, again, I probably haven't seen enough of him either, but I, I believe he's very highly rated. And, and um, I think if he gets the run, like this, there's kind of a, there's a lot of games coming up. Like this, this next, what is it? There's 11 internationals between now and the, and the selection. So like, if he can get into that Welsh team, he obviously needs to get ahead of, of bigger and a couple of others. But um, if he can get in there and, and, and impress, I think he's got a chance. Because I think the way that Bristol team have played, they're a pretty impressive unit as well. Well, we've had our first official line selection uh, debate, which is good. It's a sign of <laughs> yeah, things, maybe, Jesus, hopefully. Excitement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With many more to come, I'm sure. That's just last question before I let you go. I know it's probably, you know, not much of a prediction for this weekend. But what are you, Rod, anyway, what are you hoping to see or expecting to see on Saturday? I mean, I think the minimum Ireland, like Ireland need a bonus point win because they want to be going to Paris in control of their own destiny. Now, to win the whole thing, they need two bonus point wins and that's going to be tough over in Paris. But the record against Italy the last couple of years, um, you would expect them to be able to put them away. Uh, it might be a bit of a struggle, you know, again, reference that Treviso game a couple of weeks ago with uh, when Leinster were over there. They made life hard for themselves. Italy have good players. You know, they've been, like their country has been through an awful rough patch in the last six, eight months this is the first time they've got to play since all that happened. There's going to be emotion, even though there'll be no one there. I think that will play a part. Um, but I think Ireland, even with that team, which is much changed and quite inexperienced and, and quite young, you know, there's, there's seven players under 25 in that team. I still think they have the quality to, to get the four tries that they need. And I'm not expecting fireworks right off the bat, um, but I think we'll see the first steps towards them building something out of this. Because I think, Really, the 2021 Six Nations is what's really important right now. I think this, these six matches in seven weeks can really set them up for being a really strong team then. But like, I'm not saying you'd leave, you, you park your ambitions at the door either. Like, you should be good enough to develop and win at the same time. So, I, I, like, it's really hard to know. There's no form line. We don't know what, what's going on. Like, these players haven't played together in so long. It's really hard to predict. But you would expect the quality player that's on show um, to do it and I, I'm really hoping to, I'm, I want to see Gary Ringrose go to another level like he's won the awards he's got the backing of all the players the last week or so he's been the captain of Leinster recently I really would love to see him really break out and start dominating international games because I think he's got the capabilities to do it yeah Luke yeah I mean look I think I think Ireland by two tries at least I think um, I think it'll be a comfortable enough win I think it'll be difficult, and the reason I say that is because, you know, it'll be sorry, it'll be tricky period. First kind of 50-60, I think, will be tricky because it's kind of a youngish pack out. That's always a big challenge. But if you look at Ireland's kind of defensive ability, I just think, you know, from, you know, you've know, you got Murray, Sexton, Bundy Aki, and and uh, Gary Ringrose. It's, like, it's hard to break those guys down. That's a nice little unit there. Um, and I think they've got a few good fetchers on the pitch as well you know, across the park. So, like, I think they'll be difficult to break down defensively. I think they'll get opportunities. I think they've got good finishers out there. Um, so I think they'll win well, but I just think it might be a bit tricky for the first 40-50. As Rudd said, they haven't played together in a very long time. And it sounds like they're trying to implement a few new ideas um, alongside a few new caps. No, not always a great mix for having a really kind of seamless uh, game plan or a seamless performance, but... We wait and see. Very exciting, I think. I do feel like it's a great. It can be a great springboard for this young crew into the twenty twenty one championship. I think it might be a big ask getting a bonus point over in Paris, but um, I think um, I think it'd be a very exciting game nonetheless over there. And I'm looking forward to seeing if any of these guys play well this week. Will they get the shot over there? And that's where I think we'll see real growth. Is games like that, to be honest with you. So um, they need to play well this weekend first. Get this out of the way and. Uh, 
you know, get the cobwebs off for the first 50, 60. Um, but I'm expecting a win, a, a comfortable enough win, Will. I think they're too much quality for them. Yeah, it's set up very nicely over the next couple of weeks, starting with Ireland Italy in the Six Nations. In the meantime, Luke, Rory, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, lad. Cheers, guys. Thanks. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week reviewing all the Six Nations action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.